0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review, and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: Huh. I in fellowship. You want to come forward as well. Because if you remain a quote an outsider, somebody who belongs somewhere else, there will never be that uh, togetherness, that desire to to fully uh, be a part of this local body in the support of God's work, and I believe. But the scripture teaches without doubt that there is tremendous value in being a member of of the church that you attend, where you can really get your feet wet and get into the spirit of what we do. And I would encourage you to do that. There are others that perhaps need to rededicate your lives to the Lord Jesus. Some of you have spoken to me of that. Recently, that you feel a need just by getting out of your seat and coming down to the front of this church to say to this congregation, I have not been living like I know the Lord wants me to live and I'm going to step out this morning and just by that act say to this congregation, I've asked God to forgive me of my past, the sins that I've committed and I am determined to live for Him as I will live. Those three things I want you to think about this morning while I preach and hopefully you'll come to a point that you can make a decision. All right, now look at the scripture. In the early portion of this chapter, Peter is talking about the fact that in the midst of the church, there will be two kinds of people who, He lists them as false prophets and false teachers there in that very first verse. There is no use for us to think that we're going to have a completely religious, righteous body of individuals. Every one of us is a sinner. We're saved by grace, I hope. And if you're not, you need to be. We're going to be perplexed, and disturbed, and sometimes even destroyed by people who say they belong to the Lord Jesus and are lying through the teeth in the process. We know they're going to be a part of our church. They ought not to be a part of the church until they have been regenerated. But we can't make that determination. Only the Lord can. We've got to take people on the basis of what they say. The Lord takes them on the basis of what is in the heart. And there's a difference between the two. And so into our congregations come unrighteous, unsaved people who are a part of this church and every other church that I know anything about. I don't think we'll ever find that perfect church. We won't find that perfect church. Well, Bob, you mentioned something about that this morning very well in the Sunday school class. And so we're going to have to take ourselves as we are, but not be led down the garden path by people who are contrary to what the Scripture says. And if your life and my life is not what it ought to be, we're going to be classified amongst those who are teaching and preaching falsely. And that doesn't mean you have to be behind the pulpit or in the Sunday school class. It means you can be in the pew as well, and you're using your influence to tear down and destroy what God's trying to build up. And I think this scripture is saying there's coming a time when there's going to be a judgment. And those people who have been in the category of falsehood, in their relationship to the church and certainly to the Lord, are going to pay the penalty. The price is going to be paid. It may not be in this life, but there comes a day of judgment. Down in verse 2, he says, these people perniciously try to destroy the way of truth. By speaking evil of it. It disturbs me to no end, and you ought to be disturbed, that there are people on the streets of this complete community going around talking about things that they, first of all, don't know anything about, and attempting to destroy the church. This church is under attack, sometimes by our own members. And I say that to our shame and former members. Let me tell you, I have never, never, never said that this is not the Word of God. And I'm being quoted as saying the Bible is not the Word of God in this community. Don't you believe it. Don't you believe it. That's a lie. Through and through. And why is this being done? It's found in verse 3. Because people are covetous. That is, they want to build themselves up and gain themselves a reputation, gain themselves a position of leadership. And the church has rejected that leadership and made it clear, but people cannot seem to understand we're not going to follow false prophets and false teachers. The word feigned in verse 3 means false. It means lies. And what are those individuals in this church and every other church doing? The latter portion of verse 3 spells it out. They're making merchandise off you. Some of you have been used by other people to destroy the very gospel that this church preaches. And you've fallen into that trap of letting them lead you astray. Some of you have wised up. Now, that's not the sermon. But we needed that to understand what Peter is saying when he begins in verse 4 saying that God did not spare the angels that sinned, In verse 5, he didn't spare the old world that sinned. He simply took out of that world's Noah. He did not spare, in verse 6, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah that sinned. He destroyed them and turned them into ashes, and they probably are buried in the depths of the Dead Sea today. But all he did was bring out of Sodom and Gomorrah that person called Lot and it's upon him that I want us to focus. If there was anybody that had the advantage of a religious family, of a Christian education, of the gospel being preached to them, it surely was Lot. He came from The family, uh, he was the the nephew of Abraham and spent many years with Abraham, a man who worshipped and served God with all his heart. He had the potential of leading the people of Israel to greatness, but he faltered and failed because he did not live according to his teaching. That becomes the problem of Christian people is that we have the background. Some of you did not grow up in Christian homes, but for the most part we grew up in Christian homes. We were taught what was right and wrong, and we don't live it. The day came, when Abraham and Lot's families had to separate because their herdsmen were fighting with each other. And Abraham gave Lot the privilege of making the choice as to what direction he would go, and Lot looked at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he began to think in his mind, that's where I ought to go. Let me tell you, When people take their eyes off God's service and start thinking about themselves and their self-gratification, they're going to discover they're going the wrong direction. God went the other way. That's exactly what Lot did. He started looking the other direction. And finding that he had more things to do than think about worshiping God and going to church. And that was the beginning of his downfall. His eyes began to wander. And he looked down there at the cities of Solomon, Galera, and thought, that's where I ought to go. I was pastor of a church in the Parkersburg area a few years ago. Never forget this particular experience. One of the deacons got wandering eyes. You understand what wandering eyes are, don't you? He came to church one day, and he was all banged up, cut and bruised all over, and I said to him, what on earth happened to you? And he said, I wrecked my tractor. He had a little farm. He was a school teacher. I had a farm on the side. Well, so you did. I you know, didn't think much about that. But one of the old gentlemen of the church called me aside and said, I think you need to understand what happened. He had a tractor accident, all right. He had gotten the idea that there was a young lady in the community that he ought to pay more attention to than is reasonable. And he said, what I, she said, I saw this happen. He said what he was doing, he was going down through the field riding his tractor and she was walking down the road and he was looking that way and driving that way. And he ran into a tree. <laughs> when we take our eyes off the Lord, I don't care what it is or who it is, we're going to run into the trees along the road. second thing he did is after he considered the fact that maybe he ought to go to Sodom and Gomorrah he moved his family down there and he just sort of camped outside town for a while and the kids in the family began to say dad I'd like to go into Sodom and so he finally allowed them to go Whenever we do not exercise reasonable control over our families, we're going to discover them leaving and going the direction we don't want them to go in. And and Lot was too weak to make this change. Lots of people say, I'm not going to make my children go to church. Well, let me tell you, you make your children go to school, don't you? and you make your children go to the doctor when they're sick, let me tell you there is a sickness that is worse than physical sickness, worse than flu and, and rheumatic fever and all the other things that we might name. And I'll tell you what that sickness is, and that's called sickness of the soul. The spirit is corrupt, and it needs to be doctored. And if you're going to get it doctored, you're going to have to have our families where the doctoring takes place. And that's what the church was established for. We're here to minister unto the needs of people in our Sunday school classes and in our Bible classes and on uh, our worship services. I do not believe that church attendance is a voluntary thing. Never in my life did I ask my kids if they wanted to go. And I'm not going to start now. Because the message that this conveys is that church really doesn't mean too much. Not much value. But we're conveying this message. But the Olive Branch Baptist Church has little little value. The message we preach, therefore, must be of little consequence. And then thirdly, he simply moved into Sodom. He became a part of this society. He allowed his family to wallow in the sin of the city of Sodom. Although, in verse 7 and 8, Peter says that this vexed his soul. Vexed means tormented. Lot was a righteous man, but he lost so much control over his family and over his wife and his children that he could do nothing about it. He allowed them to go in and participate, in verse 7, in their filthy conversation. Notice that. And what they saw and what they heard, he allowed them to participate in. This city was corrupt sexually. This was a homosexual city. If there ever was one, that's exactly what the men wanted when they came to Lot's door and knocked on the door and said to Lot, Introduce us to those two strangers in your house, for we want to know them, K-N-O-W, as we sometimes say, know in the biblical terms. We want to engage them in sexual activities because they're strangers in our midst. And Lot had to even offer his virgin daughters to them as a compromise, and they rejected them. I heard a basketball player, I believe it was He was maybe from the Lakers, I'm not sure now. I've forgotten, because it doesn't make any difference to me. I don't pay attention to who plays for what team when it comes to pro basketball. But he was on uh, Jim Dobson's program the other morning. I listened to Jim Dobson five days a week. And on that program, he made this comment that I think I shall never forget. He says, if you wallow in the mire of sin, you're going to come out with leeches all over you, sucking your blood. I don't know how many of you have ever been down in a swamp. But one of the things I learned, that if you walk around in the swamp long enough, when you come out of there, you better be prepared to get the leeches off of you because they already attached themselves and are sucking your blood. Listen, when we ourselves or our families begin to wallow in the mire of the spiritual swamp, we're gonna have our life blood sucked out of us and we're gonna to become totally ineffectual in our Christian witness. That's why many times we are not capable Our presenting a good image to the community is because the leeches have already sucked so much blood that we're weak. And we need to get rid of those leeches. The angels come to the city for the purpose of taking Lot and his family out because Lot was considered by God to be a righteous man. And the angel told Lot what their object was and why they were there. And so Lot goes to his wife and to his married daughters and to his two single daughters and said to them, we've got to get out of town because God's going to destroy this town. The city's going to be burned up. Well, they said, certainly, Daddy, we'll pack our bags and we're ready to go. No, no. The scripture says that he seemed as one that mocked to them. They laughed at him. They were well satisfied with their position in that community. And they did not want to leave. Here is a man who has lost his influence. His wife didn't even pay any attention to him. She didn't want to go. But he had enough authority over his wife and his two single daughters that they had to leave with him. His married daughters were lost. Why were they lost? Because the influence of their daddy had long since gone down the drain. Because they knew that he was wallowing in the swamp of that city and at the same time putting on an image of being so righteous. As I told you last night, don't be fooled. People know what we're like. Don't think that you're hiding anything from anybody. If you wait around long enough, you'll hear it spoken somewhere, and it'll get back to you. What everybody knows, you're just now discovering. Everybody knows. And everybody's too polite tell you to your face. The angel said to Lot, take your wife and your two girls and get out of town. I'm sure Lot hesitated because he wanted to bring along his married daughters, but they weren't coming. His influence was too far gone. They weren't going to survive. But he took his two girls and his wife and ran out of town. And the angel said, don't you look back. Don't look back. But that woman couldn't listen. And she turned and looked back as that city went up. I think it was some hydrogen atomic energy bomb that destroyed that city. I don't know what it was but it turned her into a pillar of salt at the command of God. And for many, many years, that pillar stood there in the form of that woman on the side of that road to remind all travelers disobedience to God has its penalty. You and I I are not going to be turned into pillars of salt, most likely. But listen... This scripture is telling us that as God did not spare the angels, as he did not spare the old world in Noah's time, as he did not spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, listen, we'll stand in judgment just as well. There are two judgments. I want you to understand this. There are two judgments in the future. One is the judgment of the Christian In which we'll stand before God and give an account of everything that we have done and said in this life that has not been washed away. By, first of all, the blood of Jesus Christ and then by the tears of repentance as we pray God to forgive us. And it scares me that in my day of judgment and in yours, You stand there as well. But I'm going to have to look at the books as they're open and see the record of my life, the good and the bad that's there to discover that I'm going to lose reward for those things that God would have given me had my life been right. (coughs) The other judgment is the judgment for the lost. That judgment is going to come out of a book called the book of life when it's going to be opened and the Lord is going to say, let me see, Jim, is your name in this book? And he's going to look down through there and I suppose alphabetical order, I don't know, and he's going to come to it. And yes, your name is there. But listen, is your name there? Let me tell you, if you've never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be a black spot in that book and it's going to condemn you to an eternal hell because your life has not been yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ. Either way, we're going to both be in judgment. One, to receive reward for our good things and... Uh, Condemnation for that which is on our record that's not good. And that's why Christian people need to rededicate themselves and need to stain this altar time and time again in repentance. And it's also why an unsaved person needs to find his way here to say to the Lord God above, I want to be saved. I don't want to stand in that judgment that will find me condemned. What about you?